Let us begin, then, if you're ready. I'm ready. We'll start. We'll start <laughs> recording then. Okay. So, at some point in time, we got to come up with an intro or something. I think, don't we? Yeah, probably. I'm not. I don't remember how we started in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. Anyway, we started by talking about what we're drinking. Well, before we do that. Yeah. Uh, today is Kaylee's birthday. Is Kaylee's so our oldest? Yeah, our oldest daughter. Yeah. Twenty-four years old today. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and to think we were, we were babies when we had her. Yes, because I'm only thirty. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were not her age when we had her. So no, no, <laughs> I. Well, no, you definitely weren't. Um, let's see, I had. Had just turned 23 yeah. when I had her, and yeah. you had just turned a week before I turned 22. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. More of our story. More yeah. of the story of our life. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's really interesting about that story, and this is a little side note to our normal conversation, is that um, when I was in my ninth month of pregnancy. Yeah. You got really sick. Oh yeah. And um, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and you stayed home with a fever and a f- like flu-like symptoms, and then your back started hurting really bad. And I gave you this lovely heating pad to make yes. you feel better. So I almost my he- killed my you. My back would feel better because <laughs> I was I was putting heat on it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then we started thinking, well, this back pain isn't going away. Maybe. There's something wrong with your kidneys. Something. Wouldn't break a fever. Yeah. And it yeah. was just kind of this low grade fever and it just, it wouldn't go away. And right. So we took you to like a, probably an urgent care or something in Phoenix. And uh, the doctor did a couple little uh, pressure tests on your belly and you just about. He did what's ju- called a rebound mm-hmm. test. And you just about Came flew off, off the, the table. table. Yeah. And he looks at me. My belly's about as big as it's going to get. He looks at me and he said, so would you like to drive him down the street to the ER or would you like me to call an ambulance? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. And we were literally like less than a mile away from the hospital. So I took you down there. And by the time we got there, they'd already been putting together a whole team for you. Um, and you were in such bad shape. And they... Uh, were you going to tell them what happened to me? Yeah. Well, they they took you to the back. You were pretty incoherent with pain. And um, and they came out and said, you know, we not only think he, his uh, appendix is the problem, we think it's ruptured. Yeah. And so we're moving as fast as we can to get him into the ER. So um, they we got their t- team together and I'm standing in the back of the ER, not in the waiting room, but back where, you know, you were. And they start wheeling you out to the OR and you are literally screaming on the uh, gurney. I don't remember any of that. No, I know. It was I it do was remember them actually. moving me to the OR table, the operating room table. Okay. I wasn't in there for that. Obviously. That's the only thing I remember. But yeah. when you talk about me being wheeled in there screaming... Mm-hmm. I see it like I'm watching a movie. 
Yeah. Like I see myself being wheeled in and be, yeah. you know screaming like that. So no, they were, I'm not saying there's some out of body experience I had. I'm just saying that's that's the way you I only me I only it, remember yeah. it through your eyes is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's <laughs> or maybe it was out of body. Mm. <laughs> maybe I was already gone. <laughs> well, you were about three hours in surgery, and yeah. it was very late at night, and they came out and told me you'd made it through surgery, but you weren't leaving anytime soon. Yeah. And, um, and it had yeah. actually ruptured. It had actually ruptured, and it was so bad. It probably they thought it had been ruptured for um, close to a couple days, and it was so bad with infection that they had to remove parts of your intestines because it right. was gangrene. So, some somebody's going to hear you say that, and they're going to say ruptured for a couple days. It would kill you within a matter of hours or whatever. The the crazy thing about it, though, was that the doctor told us later that for some reason it stayed localized Local. into uh-huh. my stomach cavity. Had not gone to the septic for you. Yeah, so it time. never got into my bloodstream, which is what most people who do have, who mm-hmm. die from a ruptured appendix, that's what happens. The infection gets yeah. into their bloodstream and goes something, you know. No, it had stayed there. And then you were in the hospital for three weeks after that. And the first week you don't even remember. No. And, um, but they had this, um, I mean, your scar is so gnarly, like the way they opened you up. I, I mean, I think it's big, they didn't bigger try than to a go C-section. In gently. They just went in and just mm-hmm. hacked my belly open to get in there as fast as they possibly could. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's probably a good inch and a half thick, like wide. No, it's not yeah, that wide. Yeah. It's, I mean, maybe three quarters of no, babe. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> and um, I tell people it's my stab wound from my gang days. That's what yeah. it's like. Well, then they, in order to handle the infection, because it was it was still localized, even though they had to clean you out, they said they literally pulled everything out of your abdomen, <laughs> laid it out, and then drenched it. Yes, I have like, less intestines now because they yeah, didn't put them all yeah. back in. So. Um, which I would think that would solve a few problems around here, but it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Let's not get too sacred, all right? <laughs> there are some, listen, there are some sacred spaces that are even too sacred for you and I. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, they put this uh, tube in your gut so or yeah. like kind of Drain on your tube. side yeah and it was this is getting this is kind of is this depressing yeah, yeah. this is <laughs> no it's 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 I brought okay a... so kaylee's birthday is actually pretty loaded because he i know it's not know. done yet so they uh, have this tube yeah. in you and it's draining everything out the goal yeah. is to pump you full of antibiotics and get this um infection drained out I'm telling you, your room stunk to high heaven. Like it was the most putrid smell having this drain tube this is out a of you. Wonderful podcast, right? <laughs> Already, people, people can are like, imagine Whoa. this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, we we haven't even got to our drink. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they um, they had this thing going for a while. They even had another um, like. I don't remember. I guess it was a CT. I can't remember at that time. It's been a long time, 24 years. Um, <laughs> yep. If it was a CT or an MRI, must it, 
been an Whatever. MRI, but I yeah. anyway they let me back there yeah. to vi- to watch it while you did that, and the guy looks at me and he goes, you know, you've seen parts of your husband he'll never see, right. <laughs> like the inside of you, your um, yeah. abdomen that way, and they took out vial after vial of infection and because I just kept, I mean, they were having a difficult time, yeah, managing it was infection. awful, yeah. but they. Said in the end, they had pumped you full of enough antibiotics. I mean, your hair was falling out. Like it was, um, they said what it did to your body was equivalent to a round of chemo. And um, you went home with a cane with IV fluids and antibiotic fluids for two weeks at home. I was on a cane for a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, Your body had just kind of atrophied being in bed for that long. And they, um, we had Easter in the hospital yep. that year. I remember that. And um, they were always managing me in this whole process because I was so close to my due date that they were nervous that I would go into labor. And the interesting thing was is that they chose to put you in the children's ward so that you right. would have one-on-one care. You weren't sharing a room with anyone. Right. I think you also got video games in that room, too. I did. I had a Nintendo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because of that, it was on one side of the hospital, and being a children's ward, it was under one, um, what was that uh, virus? Um, RSV. RSV R- quarantine. R- RSV quarantine, yeah. And then the labor and div- delivery was under its own, and you couldn't cross between the two. Right, right. So... Um, they needed you to get out of the hospital before you before I went into labor because they weren't going to be able to let you into labor and delivery if that was the case. Yeah. So the goal was to get you out before I you know went into labor. So I think we were home maybe a week. Um, to, no, we must have been home for two weeks before I actually went into labor because you were off the IV treatments, but I went into labor. So um, so the <laughs> We came back to the hospital, and it's it wasn't a big hospital there, and they, you know, knew us really well by that time. Yep. <laughs> by the time I delivered Kaylee, and she was a difficult birth, and um, yeah, it was just such a twenty four years ago. Yeah, to yeah. we weren't sure I would get to do that with you. So, yeah. which I know a lot of people have experienced during COVID, having to do some of these major yeah. things alone, yeah. but. Um, at that time, it was kind of unheard of that yeah. you would do that by yourself. So, um, so yeah, she's kind of a reminder of a lot of, a lot of things, um, and yeah, she, and she's just this beautiful human that we <laughs> absolutely yeah. love and adore. She so. doesn't just remind us of a incredibly no. traumatic time in our life. No, no, no. It wasn't. It <laughs> wasn't like that. It was that we. Yeah. I remember though at one point sitting there and there wasn't such a thing as if as playing games on your phone no somebody had brought me these little hand games like solitaire and stuff those little i don't even know what they're called like little pocket games yeah yeah yeah. and um and so i would play those over and over again i think it was yahtzee is what i was playing yeah and um and i remember thinking how do i do this if you don't make it like it was this moment of I have part of you inside of me and if this baby comes out and you're not here I'm gonna see your face and this is like I was working through all of that and you and I have talked about later how um 
there was this whole like almost like a post-traumatic experience for me afterwards because I just survived and got through that with you. Yeah, you went um, into hardcore but, survival mode. But you were so out of it during that time that it was really an alone experience for me. Yeah. Um, much like I imagine it was for you when I was in surgery too. Yeah. But um, so I look at her face and I'm just so grateful because she did look like you. And when she was born, she just beamed and radiated your smile and... And I just thought, oh, God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I have you both. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that went a whole oh, direction you were expecting. Time. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a it's a special time. Um, and uh, because there's, I mean, you know, we were so looking forward to her because, you know, we had some trouble even getting her here. Yeah, know? yeah. We, we, we were trying for a long time before she, well, it felt like a long time. It felt like us. a long time, but I yeah. look at it now and I'm like, no, we, <laughs> I got married at 21 and had her when I turned 23. So yeah, not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but still for us, you know, we were, yeah. you know, I mean, a couple years we were, we were trying within the first six months. We, you know, and so it was, it was a good, <laughs> obviously I'm not, I mean, you know, uh, I, no, that's trying a to not stop. Her. Yeah, that is another conversation. <laughs> I just realized where you went with that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sacred. that's another Way story. Too sacred. That's pretty sacred. That story. <laughs> it's a story you might share. But one, you know what? One day. But you know what? It's going to keep everybody wondering what the hell are they right. talking about? Right. And it won't be what you think. <laughs> Mm, so many reasons why I love that story. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do. <laughs> hey, you please, can't take I, a drink of that. I we know, need to. T- I need hey, a drink. so the yeah, we had another drink recommendation, yeah. and so we're trying it. This is something that we've never. never even heard of before. So. No, in fact, it was a little difficult finding some of the things. So yeah, so this is a uh, this is a gin drink. It's called a track and field, and this is by our friends, the Addingtons, Joey and Eric. Yeah, Erica. So- <laughs> Joey and Eric. Oh, she's gonna. She's not gonna let me, me let that one go. <laughs> and I won't let you edit it. <laughs> right. Jesus. I haven't even started drinking this yet. <laughs> oh. <I'm>, well, <laughs> yeah. there you go. You know, that one's <laughs> that's well, just a I little mean, special I guess thing. I guess we're kind of in a similar boat. People get our names mixed up, Jesse and Casey and <laughs> yes, you know, are you yeah, Travis but, or Casey yeah, yeah, or But Jess? I messed up her name. It's, her name isn't easy to mess <laughs> no, up. So no, it's anyway. Not. <laughs> okay, back to the drink, because I really need one now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I had to actually make part of the ingredients for this. And so, yeah, we went on a little hunt for some stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's a gin, so what's dr- in gin it? and it's like gin and grapefruit juice and um, another liquor, aqua, aqua, I forget what it's called now, but something. Okay. And then uh, some peppercorns in it and, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. a lot of sugar. There's a lot of sugar in this drink. Yeah, well, what drink is it? <laughs> so here. Cheers to you. Let's uh, let's give Cheers this one a shot. Cheers to 24 years. Yeah, being yeah, parents. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. <laughs> You're deciding if you like it. I know I do. That's I like that a lot. That is wonderful. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's uh, it's uh, the first word that comes to my mind is refreshing. 
Oh yeah, totally. It's a total like summery, refreshing kind of like I I almost want to freeze it down into a slushy and drink it that way. Yeah, long. that'd probably be really good actually. That's nice. I like that. Okay, Addingtons, we're coming over. Yeah, we and we told them we'd share some of that uh the I don't know. I'm going to call it syrup because, again, it's got a lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the grapefruit uh, juice syrup. So so had they tried this? Yeah. They had, they said they had it at a restaurant. Um, okay. And uh, um, they were like, you guys got to try this. This was awesome. Okay. So here it is. We are yeah. missing a couple of things in it, well, though, so it may be a little different. The, well, we're I couldn't... I couldn't figure out where to get citric acid and mm. grocery stores didn't have them. So I got to keep looking for that. Um, and I don't know enough to know what that would do. <laughs> to it. Yeah. And then uh, pink peppercorns, which I'd never heard of before. Um, Everyone. So we use regular black peppercorns. Yeah. And um, every once in a while for a very sweet drink, you just get this little. A little bit of heat. A little bit of heat back there. And it's, it's really nice. interesting. It's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the difference in the pink peppercorns is that they're just a little bit fruitier. But, but like a you were saying, you'd looked up almost like a, more like a chili. I mean, they're, yeah. you know, so they've got like a little, even though chili isn't fruity, but still more of that kind of heat to heat them. To it. So it's just, a, I know it would change the taste of this a little bit, but this was, you know, this was the best we could do <laughs> until I can figure out where in the world to get So we could call this one acid. like slow man's track and field. You've got track and field. This is slow man's track and field. No. Okay. <laughs> we had to we had to come up with something entirely different. I don't know. Okay. We're just going to call it a track and field because it pretty much is that. So you know, just to, to okay. honor the the okay. spirit of the spirits mm-hmm. that are that are involved here. Okay. So uh, yeah, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. We'll be sipping on that for a little while. So and making we got you know more of that mix. We can keep making it. Oh, the other thing we had to do too is because. You're supposed to like blend it all up, but those peppercorns don't blend up super fine. So they no, kind of, it left a first. little bit of a, like a silt. So we were, I was straining them out of my, my cocktail shaker and then through like a tea strainer, <laughs> oh <my laughs> like a loose leaf tea strainer. So makeshift. Yeah. But it was, it wouldn't go through. Like, so oh. I had to like take my finger and like stir it in order for it to go through because it was so silty from that. From like the, 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 it has the, the zest. grapefruit zest is in there and the, and the, 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 the peppercorns and, and it yeah. kind of made this pulp. To the, and so I had to kind of, yeah, it was, so mm-hmm. I think it actually worked pretty well. So, but uh, if we had like a cheesecloth or something, we should run yeah. it through that and, you know, and then just get like the straight liquid and then, so. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, this, uh, this episode has started off on some different legs here, yeah. you know, so <laughs> it took us a full <laughs> 15 minutes to get into our drink. Yeah. You know, whatever. (laughs) I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying it's different. Yeah. Yeah, But that's fine. That's, you know, that's. Well, my story ended in a way that made you want to get a drink. It did. Yes. (laughs) It totally did. So, and uh, yeah, I'm glad this one worked out. If this was shit, I I don't know what we would do. (laughs) We'd be like, mmm, tastes good. (laughs) No, I've been very honest about what I think. Yes, we would. Yeah, I think we would too. Corona, old fashioned or whatever the hell. <laughs> but that it's was. different when I come up with a drink and somebody else suggests a right, drink. Right. Right. You know, so it's a good thing when I like it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Ah, 
refreshing. <laughs> Somebody's um, coming. So, you know, we, like everyone else, you know, binged a ton of shows last year. You know, oh, so yeah. during the, yeah. you know, COVID stuff, we, I mean, everybody's Netflix Tiger got used King. really well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, start branching off into other channels and, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And we've. Okay. So I'm curious, what yeah. was your favorite binge during 2020? Oh, favorite binge. There were some really good shows that we watched. Yeah. Um, I still think that Ozark's way up there. So that's a 2021 binge. Oh, Jesus, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite 2020 binge. Handmaid's Tale. Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. I would have said Shit's Creek. Yeah, that was wonderful oh, in a totally different so, way. It was so, like, needed during that yeah, time. Yeah, that's very true. Handmaid's Tale, we had started that binge before COVID broke out. Hmm. Oh, yes, because then when things started happening politically, we're like, Wait a minute. This reminds me of something in Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, but okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah for I'm sure. still gonna claim it. So, uh. um, but yeah, there was a there was some good shows that we watched in there. So, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I can't. Uh, oh, because we got Apple TV too. So there was like <gasps> For All Mankind and, was yeah. in there about a, an alternate. A history of where Russia goes to the moon first, first yeah. before um, you know. Yeah, and that's we, 2021 also. And then we actually set up moon bases, and I, we yeah. started that one last year. I'm pretty sure. So pretty sure we didn't. <laughs> and um, <laughs> listen, I'm just gonna stop talking. No, cause... think about 2020. It was um, it was some Apple uh, shows uh, because we were yes, we watched we, C. And that was definitely in 2020. Yes, and so was the other one with Jennifer Aniston. Um, oh, good uh, morning! Um, the morning show. The morning show, which was amazing. So good. Yeah. And uh, but we we binged them because out of the way Apple released them. Yeah. And then COVID hits, and or it's in that time, and everybody stops productions of things, and so we're like, That's, we're yeah, still left hanging yeah, on a yeah, few yeah, of those. Yeah. That's right. That's um. Right. Yeah, so those ones were really good, and um, but I think Shit's Creek was just one of those just really bright, like happy, good moments through um, all of twenty twenty yeah. for me. It wasn't yeah. a a show we had engaged with prior to that, so yeah, that was that was a good one. And I definitely think it would um, have been worth the twenty five dollars to pay for the season upcoming instead of waiting for a no, whole year. We waited. For it. I'm cheap. We waited. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, and we and we saw it just fine and it was better because it was free so it was and it was such a good last season <laughs> um we watched a few some, uh, network shows too like what um, that we've we've been watching for a while and i'm, I'm thinking oh, like the good doctor is yes. one that we and really got, like that got weird after covid like i some of these shows. What do you mean it got well, weird. Okay, so some of these shows that had been on, they worked really hard mid-production to figure out what to do with with COVID and how to handle it and that sort yes. of thing. And then and to uh, like incorporate, especially like the the doctor shows to incorporate right. it into the shows. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden, the good doctor is suddenly nobody's wearing masks and COVID didn't exist. Like it's this thing so they, far in the past. They it, actually explained it away in like 
a couple of sentences. Yeah. And, and you just have to take it for no, what it you is. No, you do. Because they're do. like, we can't keep making a show where everybody's wearing masks. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I get that, but it, it just... It I don't know that that shift COVID really affected I think the whole yeah. thing for them. Yeah. Um. I think other shows that did really actually did really well with it. New Amsterdam was one of them. That's the one I was going to talk about y- next. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were they actually were in they had episodes prepared that dealt with a pandemic um, storyline and chose not, not to release yeah. because the timing was literally when the country was shutting down yeah. and they're like, this is too close to home. We're going to respect what everybody's going through. And um, they rewrote shows and incorporated right. COVID into it. And so, which is a, is a constant storyline that's yes. going through now. So I appreciate that one. Dealing with COVID and the repercussions of COVID. In fact, this last episode um, was, um, they they did something very interesting with it where they they dealt with some people who were in a low income area and they were they had somebody come through and and sell them a a, a covid vaccine that was all natural and of these you know weird ingredients mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff a bunch of people got sick on it and you know and so they're going through that whole crisis and then they so they're always trying to deal with like uh these philosophical kinds of issues like what if this were to happen or how you know are these right. you know like larger issues than just you know um they do they deal they merge um the political and the the medicine yeah. together um pretty well pretty yeah well. what i love about new amsterdam is it's an idealist show yeah like um the the main character the main uh doctor is the head of the hospital the head of the hospital he's um <laughs> He's an idealist. He he dreams big and he's a he's a problem solver Does and he's bold like things that yeah, nobody would ever do in a hospital. Right. And, but yeah. he but he thinks in terms of humanity and all of this and I'm just like bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, cuz that mean, is your world. It is just where I'm at and I, at one point in this last episode I even said to you, I just love the idealist. Yeah. Like it's it's this uh it's this wind, this current you want to be part of, like you yeah. want to go where that's going. And when I hear his character talk about, you know, what he's wanting to make happen, I want to go, okay, here's my plan. And we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Like right. my brain right. just goes right. in there and I just, I just love that scenario. And um, so, so this particular episode that you're referring to takes a real – Political, medicine, human yeah. relations, yeah. social media, like all, all of it. Um, uh, economics takes all of that and puts it in one package that he gets really excited about. This is the solution. He sees the problem. He goes, it has to be different. And he's always doing that. It has to be different. It has yeah. to be different. And he takes this, and he fights for this solution. He wins, and you think, and you actually kind of you go along yeah, with his idea. Yeah. You're like, "Wow, great, super!" But then that solution just opens up a whole new problem mm-hmm. associated with it. And then he's like, "Okay, well now we have to deal with this." So he deals with that solution, and and then it it opens up a whole new other problem. And he's just right. like, he's chasing fires. Yeah, and it. And I thought it was really good. And I actually wanted to talk about this a bit because I, I, I thought it was so good because it, you know, in the end, it's a television show. And, and I was talking to you about this where it's kind of, you know, it, it, you know, it's a feel good show in the end right. anyway. 
Um, and he, you know, the shows always wrap up with a, with a really nice, pretty bow at the end right. and everything's okay now. And he figured it all out and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But that whole thing of chasing solutions is a, is a huge deal in the yeah. world right now. And yeah. it's like, you know, and it's one of the things that, um, that I, I so appreciate a show like that, like taking that into, uh, account, because, you know, so many things we talk about now, like we talked about, you know, guns, right? Mm. We talked about, um, you know, we we talked about, you know. <laughs> we um, talked about politics a lot. Politics. We've talked about politics a lot. We've talked about, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter. We've mm-hmm. talked about, you know, immigration stuff. We talked about all these kinds of things. And one of the reasons why I think that we have such large divides existing in this country is is if we're just really honest about it is because these are incredibly complex issues. Yeah. There is no simple wrap this up with a pretty bow and that's the solution. We, you know, we dust our hands off and and walk away from it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like okay, if you're going to deal with this, well then what about this then? Okay, well, then here's how we can deal with this and that. Okay, well, if that happens, then what about this over here? What about them, you know? And okay, well, we have to figure out something that, you know, makes everybody is fair for everybody. You know, okay, well, then what happened? How does that affect this industry over here? And okay, Mm -hmm. so if we, you know, that industry employs hundreds of thousands of people. So, okay, if we're going to deal with that, okay, then how does that affect the ecology over here? I mean, it just goes, there's this ripple effect and, and, and I think it's, it's the complexity of the issues of today, which are, I mean, there's complex, complexity has always existed, but when you have a world that is connected in the way that we are now, that complexity goes so much further. Um, you know, like if, you know, if we were 150 years ago, we would live in a, in a town or a village and the complexity would would pretty much stop at the boundaries of the town or the village of that community, right. right? And there's not a, I mean, there's there's some crossover that happens between communities and some issues that do, but by and large, you can figure things out within your own community, right? Mm-hmm. We don't live in that realm anymore. Um, no. We live in a in a global realm where everything that we do has an effect on something else. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it is a complex world that we, that we live in with complex problems and people get very riled up about the things that they're passionate about with good reason, no mm-hmm. doubt with good reason. They, you know, there's a, there's some very, there's some, there's some deep wrongs that exist and there's some very emotional kinds of things that exist out there. Um, and, and they, and, and when people kind of get into these tracks of thinking that if we would just do this, it would all be taken care of. Or if we would just do this, it would all go away. And and there's no solution to any problem that, that is in existence today that I can imagine that has that easy of a solution to it. Everything is far more complex than that. Um, well, we... We've, um, especially in this last year, we've moved a word around into multiple conversations and the word being reform to, um, 
it's it's not uh, about stopping something as much as it's about taking a a a box and pulling some pieces out and putting new pieces in right it's like it's you're rearranging you're reforming what this box still looks right, like right? right and um and so i think that when we when we look at things in terms of reform um we are chasing fires um there are some things that just the box just needs to get taken to the dump like it there are some things that just right. need to not exist and will it hurt and will it be will it affect a lot of people yes but sometimes the more drastic solution is often the solution so but i think we work so hard to accommodate everyone sometimes um and i'm not talking uh, on a level of racism or anything like that this is kind sure, of separate from sure. that i'm just saying accommodate all all the employed accommodate all of the um systems that need each other so that we can have as little disruption as possible and yet have change. Yeah. And um, I think one thing that we're finding is that not everyone, but a lot of us are starting to say, why don't we go and look at the trunk of the tree instead of the leaves you know like let's let's go to the core of what this is uh the system let's find out what's going on in the system and say is the system good or bad can we change the system itself rather than the the fringe things um that's those are mindset shifts those are those are actually changing everything from what you believe about money to what you believe about family what you believe about religion, um, what you believe about government. So these become really complex to really find a solution that isn't about chasing fires, but is actually solving the problem. Um, and then, like you said, doing it at a global level is just, it's big. Yeah, and and part of what gets what gets attached to that then, too, is that when you start talking about the the trunk of the tree or the roots of the tree mm -hmm. or you know, um, or even the soil that the tree is right. planted in? I mean, let's right. how deep do we want to go with this, right? Right. Um, you start getting you know into what we call systemic kinds of things, right? And and what you begin to brush up against is is there a problem with the system? Mm -hmm. Is there a problem with which means that like the whole thing might need to like, like this isn't just about dealing with this issue over here. This is about, do we need to address the entirety of the thing? Right. Yeah. And when you start talking about that, man, people get, people get yeah. really protective. Right. And I, you know, I'm gonna take that back, not protect. Well, there's some protective, they get really defensive because you know, when you start, I mean, let's just talk about um, within a family structure. Let's just talk about that for a mm -hmm. second. You have, you know, a family structure that, you know, can trace back their uh, their genealogy generations and they know where they came from and they know who they are and they know how they got to where they are today and, and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And suddenly, 
you know, you get to somebody like me, like me today. And, and I, I decide that I'm, I'm having difficulty dealing with some, the, how I'm approaching some things in life. I'm gonna go talk to a therapist. And so the therapist begins to work with me to kind of unpack some things. They begin to unpack, you know, certain aspects of my life and my upbringing and, and some of the things I was raised with and say, do you see how these things could lead to some of the difficulties that you're dealing with today? And then I start to kind of deal with those things. And then I go talk to my family about it. And I'm like, hey, here's some things I've been learning in therapy. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I'm... This is all a hypothetical, of course. Um, <laughs> and for me, I'm uh, I'm working through this process over time with a therapist. They're helping me to discover this for myself. For my family, when I talk to them, it's like I'm slapping them across the face with, you know, look Failure how fucked and, up we yeah. are, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the defensiveness like hackles raise, right? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with how you were raised? What's wrong with, with our family beliefs? What's wrong with the traditions that we've had about this thing or that thing or, or whatever else you're like, no, no, no I'm not trying to say, this. I'm just saying this is how it affected me. And, but you've already gone to that place. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, now you take, you know, we can, we can all imagine that for well, all, a lot, most of, I'll, I'll just say a lot of us can imagine that because mm-hmm. <laughs> we can imagine family dynamics where, yeah, there right. were some things that, that were, that are, you know, not the greatest about my upbringing and, and, you know, I've had to work through those things and I can't really right. talk to my family about it. I mean, a lot of people can get that. Right. But we're exactly the same on a national scale. Yeah. We're exactly the same. Um, even just locally here as a community in Spokane, um, I, you know, in, in my realtor realty business, um, I do some, you know, community influencing kind of stuff and, and, you know, pull together right. like lists of events that are going on in the community. It's just part of, you know, what I do because I think it's a good thing, gets my name out there, all that kind of stuff. Right. But part of it is, is talking about how Spokane is, is a is a really great city and I, I love living here and it's just, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and so I've got, you know, Facebook posts out there and and I I get a number of people to get on there and they're like, you know, I wish all you fucking Californians would get back on the road and move home, you know? And I'm like, why where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> it's like why do you feel yeah. like it belongs here? And so I, I actually played around with one of those guys one time and I was like, you know, you know, because he said something about, you know, yeah, you want something fun to do, get back on the freeway, go back to California. And I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, you don't feel welcome here. You know, and I, I knew I knew he meant other people should go back home. Um, but I was I was fucking with him. And uh, he's like, I'm not talking about me. I'm a fourth generation you know, Spokane person and da, 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 and, on, and, on. and I'm like, that's the defensiveness of the thing, right? You, yeah. you have traced back your, your four generations of being here in Spokane. And so now all of a sudden it, it belongs to you more than it does to someone, someone else, else. Yeah. <laughs> and someone else coming in is now invading that. And so somebody comes in now and says, Hey, you know what? We've kind of got a race relations problem here. Well, that guy's like, I'm fourth generation Spokane and, you know, and fuck you coming in here and telling me there's something wrong with my town. Right. Yeah. What? Because of that, 
because you're dealing with root kind of issues and, yeah. and people start taking it personally when you start talking about systemic things, because we all participate in the systems, right? We can say, I'm not a racist, you know, just to just talk about, you know, go, hit on that thing again one more time. Um, but if you say, but there are system, there is systemic racism that is work at work in our town, and we participate in the systems that continue to promote that. Well, all of a sudden, you can't say I'm not racist. You're now all of a sudden complicit in those systems. So now we're talking about you, yeah, right? And now all of a sudden, you're attacking me. Um, and, and that's where the defensiveness comes from. That's where the walls go up and that's where the divide just starts to grow wider and wider and wider apart because you're attacking me. You're against me. Right. This is all, (laughs) I feel like this conversation kind of more, but it's kind of not like it goes together. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't get out of. I didn't go into the deep end or something, did I? Take another drink here. You say something. <laughs> How about you say something? Well, I, I'm there. I mean, you actually bring up a lot of different things. I know, so, I know. Um, my if my brain is ping ponging a little bit. It does um, to bring it back to this book that we're reading. I'm reading. You've already finished it by right. by Russell Brand. And it's so much fun. It is such a, it's <laughs> such a fun book. But I, I have to say, he's just, he is a word wizard. Like this right. guy knows how <laughs> to not just articulate. Like I was telling my mom earlier today, um, you know, another great communicator, communicator that I love to listen to, and I like literally listen, not just read, but listen to, is Rob Bell. But he takes some really complex thoughts and he makes them... Um, simple, simple. Yeah. So that you bite size. Yeah. Where you're just like, you almost want to hit yourself on the forehead and go, (laughs) duh, Jess. Yeah. That right. Russell Brand does the opposite. He does the opposite. (laughs) I'm like, I've never put those words together in a sentence, but that was amazing. I mean, like just the experience of his word usage is, is its own experience despite anything that he's saying. But I also think he's, he, he's a really uh, brilliant thinker. Um, he's one of those who can um, not just have the conversation or have the debate about something, but he can think um, on the outside of the whole thing, right? right? He's not trying to stay inside the box and have right. that conversation. He's like on this other And realm. for us, he's not an American, you know, he's a, it's yeah. almost a completely, there is another whole out of the box right. kind of thing where, right. you know. And I and I'm finding it um, uh, fascinating because he he he's very open about his personal story, um, and that personal story being one of addiction recovery. Yeah. And so this plays out a lot in his conversations in anything that he does, but it is in this book as well. And he, uh, um, so he has this thing called experience on top of information and then tying that together right. just becomes this really um, interesting yeah. book to, to listen to. Yeah. So in all of that, he um, 
he's writing this uh, audiobook during uh, COVID, before, middle, I think after. I haven't finished the book. But um, I think you actually, yeah, I think it was the whole thing took place in, in what COVID Yeah, was it seemed on. like that there was some beginning to it where he started the book before the, because he took a trip that he talked about that was pre COVID. But sure. Um, anyway, kind of irrelevant. Um, it, he brings up this point in talking about what we all experienced in 2020, particularly the spring of 2020, when we have um, major racist issues come to light um, in a very vivid way. We're all watching. We're all stuck in front of our TVs, right? Yeah. And we finally see it. Right. We see George Floyd murdered. We see multiple people murdered. We have the film of it. it. Like it's just it's devastating us as a country. At least it should be. And, um, and he brings up this interesting point. So I um, I'm just going to read what it was because I had to actually <laughs> it's an audiobook and I had to actually sit there and type it out. But I thought it was I, I didn't want to forget it. Yeah. And he said that. Um, Okay. Just he, read it. Just I know, read it. Yeah. but he reads this book with his uh, British accent. <laughs> and so I may get some things wrong here. I may actually say some names wrong. So because I'm trying to translate, I'm not actually visually looking Let's at the Let's just words. say this. for the We give him all the credit for the correct <laughs> quote that this may not well, be. Well, it's names. It's names. So he says, um, Kahindi Andrews, professor of sociology and black studies at Birmingham University, says this. Um, in relation to George Floyd's um, murder. This is beyond reform. You cannot educate people to not be racist within this system. The system is racist. It's endemic. It's structural. It is no coincidence that the demonized groups, blacks and Asians, come from the plundered territories upon which the Western nations are built. You cannot have an unracist America. America is racist. To end racism, you must end America. And then the quote ends, and um, he continues, Radical indeed, but in sentiment, identical to an observation made by British conservative, and um, he said this in his British accent, and I can't, (laughs) provocateur. (laughs) Oh, good job. You did well. I know, I did say that. Yeah. (laughs) Enoch Powell. uh, When asked about the... um, Abolition abolition of the monarchy, he said, you cannot have Britain without a monarchy. Britain is monarchy. Like you cannot have an elephant without a trunk. You may abolish the monarchy, but having done so, you no longer have Britain. And I found this really profound when I heard Mm -hmm. it because there is a part of you that is wanting to save some part of what we have because this is the way we understand our culture. But if we actually want something to change, we have to throw away the whole thing, you know? And and then I do that little game and I'm like, oh, frick, that puts me in Handmaid's Tale. Like I'm one of those people who wants to undo America <laughs> and have this alter America, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but this idea that the system is so deeply rooted in who we are culturally and how we navigate our neighborhoods, our money, our religion, our uh, vote, um, 
all of those things, our medicine, how we do all of that goes back to the system, which I think is what New Amsterdam was trying to get at, that there is a a systemic problem that actually needs to be addressed. And so putting out these fires doesn't actually solve the problem. We may create new problems in the process or we delay the inevitable problem, which is, I think, where America's at right now. We put out a lot of fires in regards to racism. Sure. But here we are again with this insurmountable, uh, like, what do we do um, question. Um, Now, I realize as a white American, I want to say, I would love to say that racism was resolved and we suddenly have a new problem, but that isn't the case. I know that. Right. It's that we are we were unattentive um, to it. We weren't seeing it. We were part of the system that allowed for racism to continue and to perpetuate. So, um, so then you when you <laughs> when you see, it's hard to not see, right? You can't unsee. And I now look at things and go how but okay if i want to not be racist if i want things to be equal for everyone well that means it actually has to be equal yeah so that means that system over there doesn't work at all there's no way to reform that because it doesn't actually it will never in any way shape or form get us to equality so what do what happens to our society when we say we if we're going to actually make equality a priority or a, of our highest value then getting rid of that system means it means people lose jobs it means that other businesses don't have access to that um, yeah we might be solving equality but this is what people are weighing out this isn't isn't just about what I feel about a person of another color this is about how the system that feeds racism, directly affects me my business yeah and i and i I, you know we're kind of you know getting into specifics on on this thing and i i think this this topic could you know have an of course an entire conversation in and of itself um you know but just i you know you you and i have talked about that specific quote from the book before and and i really appreciated that quote as well. Um, even though my mind, what it did with my mind is I started going in all of the, what would that look like right. kind of thing. Right. And, and I think for, you know, and this kind of, this will tie back around to, you know, what we were talking about just a minute ago, but I, I think for some people, they hear that and the defensive barriers go up, right? Because, there's a cost involved in that. There's cost involved in that um, you, uh, you, my job might be one of those that gets lost. Um, my um, retirement might be affected by that. Mm-hmm. I might be asked to act and talk differently, you right. know, in a new system, whatever else, right? And so the defensive barriers go up and immediately what comes to mind is, you're talking about burning the whole thing down. What do you mean? What do you mean we've got to burn our country down? And it's like, well, hang on a second. That's not necessarily what, what, you know, when I think about it, 
what would need to happen. You can undo something and and have it become something greater than. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways of doing that. It is, like I said, it's incredibly complex. It is incredibly complex. And, and what you ultimately have to do is you have to have you have to have leaders rise up in every sector who are willing to call people to go in a unified direction together. And right now we just don't have that, right? Yeah. Um, and so when we're when we're talking about the you know the the roots of the tree and you know w- the reason why we we don't have that kind of leadership is partially because of how I was raised. I think I. You know, I, you too, we were right. both raised in, in strong evangelical Christian families. And, and one of the, uh, the very strong sentiments of evangelical Christianity is that there is this ongoing battle between light and dark, right? And, and that there are, um, there are the forces of good who are who align themselves with God and there are forces of evil who align themselves with Satan mm-hmm. and these are these are at odds with one another and they are battling one another and and the battle comes down to every individual soul in existence and there is this battle over when you die will you go into darkness forever and ever or will you go into light forever and ever. Right. (laughs) And, and so it's a very, um, very black and white kind of thing. You're, and in fact, there's, there's lots of people quote Jesus all the time. You know, you're either, you know, and this is a a paraphrase of that, but this is how it would be paraphrased. You're either with me or you're against me. Right. There's no middle ground. You, you either are, are with me and you do what I say, or you are my enemy. You're mm-hmm. against me, right? And and when you have that kind of upbringing, then everything starts getting painted in that same light. And so, you know, I am raised to believe that homosexuals are sinners. And then I am raised to believe that as sinners, they have aligned with forces of darkness. And so if they're sinners aligned with forces of darkness... Their agenda is to draw people into darkness. And so there is a homosexual, I'm doing air quotes here, homosexual agenda that is to pull young children, does it sound any Q-ish at all right here? Pull Mm -hmm. young children over to the dark side. Um, we're going to corrupt them and make them think that homosexuality is okay. And then we, we can get more people to go to hell that way. Right. Um, and so it's not just about, I don't understand your sexual identity. I don't understand, you know, uh, mm-hmm. any of that. I, I disagree with even how your views of, of sexuality or whatever else. It's a, you are an enemy. You are an enemy of the light. And so if somebody comes in and challenges you then on that position, then they're not challenging your thinking. They are challenging your eternal destiny and you fight them. 
And so now there, there's ways we fight. We fight with prayer. We fight with scripture. We fight with, and then there are those instances where people go all the way there and they actually fight with guns and all that kind of stuff too, right? Okay, now that's one issue. And that's talking about me growing up in a, in a very strong conservative Republican evangelical household, right? Um, you, you take that back a couple of centuries, not that long, but a ways back, and the founding principles that America was founded on were Christian principles. Now, am I trying to say that America is a Christian nation? No, but I am saying that the, the things that were put into effect, there was a strong sense of, of God and a strong sense of Christianity at work in, um, in decisions that were being made and all that kind of stuff. And so there is a much, there is a very strong sense of God and Christianity within America that has only become more and more um, deeply seated within the country to the point where we have a, you know, the, the right, you know, is made up mostly of evangelical Christians. They were the, the major force behind getting Trump elected, right? So that it's a, it's a massive chunk of our country, all this kind of stuff that has this light versus dark kind of mentality. And so if you start, when you start dealing with systemic kinds of things, you are talking about to them in their interpretation, light versus dark. And, and if you're not with us, then you're against us. If you don't claim Christianity, then you're an enemy. If you're a Muslim, then you're an enemy. If you're a, if you're a Buddhist, then you're an enemy. If you're a homosexual, then you're an enemy. If you're, you know, if you're a feminist, then you're an enemy. And on and on and on down the line. And of course, I'm painting with a very broad brush here, right? Not, of course, not everybody is, thinks the same way who, who, you know, counts themselves as Christians and that kind of thing. But there is a very large segment of our, of our population that does. So why do we have these vastly growing divides? It's, and, and why do we come to these points of saying, I don't understand how you, you can't just respond to simple reason. I mean, like when we, we have a conversation and, and people fly off the handle and they, they double down on, you know, QAnon conspiracies and that kind of, you know, let's yeah. talk about, you know, the crazy fringe even, right? Um, why can't we, why can't they just see like simple kinds of logical reasoning behind things? Because it's not about that. It's about light versus dark. It's about when you, when you try to, when you try to reason with someone of that mindset, of that mentality, you are not just trying to have a friendly conversation. You're not just having a disagreement with them. You're not with them, which means you're against them. And, and that is, um, like that is, is so polarizing in and of itself, that kind of, of mentality that, that transcends all of the issues. 
It transcends all the fruit hanging off the trees, right? It goes so deep. It's the, it's the bedrock beneath the soil that this, this kind of mentality, again, that if you're not, if you're not with me, then you're against me, then you're my enemy. That is what has to change if there's hope for redemption of some of these systems that are so fundamentally broken. And if, and if we, if we can't get beyond that us versus them thing, if we can't get beyond that you're against me, if we can't get beyond, if you don't vote the same way I do, then you're part of a liberal conspiracy who wants to eat babies and pizza basements and, you know, stuff like that. If you, if you can't get beyond that, we don't have a chance in hell of, of actually being able to work through any of these greater, you know, racial systemic issues, uh, you know, police violence systemic issues, um, you know, gender bias systemic issues, you know, on and on and on and on and on, all the, all the fruit that's hanging off of the tree. We have no hope of dealing with any of that because, you, because we won't be able to cooperate with one another. We won't be able to do, we won't be able to talk through some of these things to to find that spot that says this works for everyone, right? Or this we agree that we have to let go of some of our rights. We have to give something up in order for there to be equality for those who have been whose much has been taken from, right? We'll we'll just never get there. Um, that is a huge issue for me. That, that is that that is the thing that that I probably deal as with as a sense of hopelessness more than anything is how how can we get to a place where people become willing to just consider another's point of view, right? Rather than seeing someone from a different point of view as an enemy. I can't tell by the look on your face if well, I've just like no, gone no, no. way I, overboard. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I am so, I am so there with you. I think what's difficult for me is putting myself, um, trying to take myself out of polarizing positions, because there is no, there is no compromise or middle ground for me when it comes to racism. There is no compromising or middle ground when it comes to the um, the treatment of our LGBTQ plus community. There is no middle ground for me when it comes to um, marginalized communities, immigration, those types of things. Or humans' right to exist, to, to be equal, is at stake. I don't know how to not be polarized by that so I've maybe I've just traded one set of ideology for another I've I've shifted to something different in what I believe but have I actually changed how I how I interact you know can I be someone who can find that space to not just be evil versus good 
um, with someone who just doesn't believe the same way I do on immigration. Okay. I, I mean, I, in some way, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, but it's actually quite convicting for me to sit back and go, can I, can I be that kind of person when I feel like lives are at stake when, you know, George I'm, Floyd I'm, is murdered the way I'm he not is. talking about compromise. I'm talking, it's not, yeah, that's just, that's not what I'm okay. talking about. Um, what I'm talking about is that, and okay, let's, let's just take racism for right now. Mm-hmm. We all know that there are white supremacists that exist out there. Oh yeah. And there are a lot of them that exist. There are more mm-hmm. of them than we thought existed. Right. Percentage wise of the population, there are not that many. When we take into account the entirety of the population, how many people are, are white supremacists, they're, they're kind of, more isolated, localized bunches. Because as a rule, that kind of racism is not tolerated in most of our society that exists today. And so you kind of have to be on the fringes in order for that to be the case. You're talking radicalized white supremacists. I'm, I'm talking about white okay. supremacists, like self-proclaimed white supremacists. Okay. okay. Then you say, okay, well, there's a whole other group of people that that aren't radicalized. They would never say they're white supremacists. In fact, they would say, we're not racists, but they act in racist ways. They say things that are racist. They, you know, that kind of thing. But they don't view themselves as racist, right? There is a much larger segment of the population that falls within that category. Okay? Okay. If... If you were to go and talk to some of those people and say, but you really are racist, all of the defenses go up. They're going to fight. They're going to prove to you they're I've got a black friend. I've got, you know, I did right. whatever else it is. Right. To prove to you that they're not racist and it. And the whole thing shuts down. So you being a very different kind of thinker as you are um, and and someone who has dealt with many of these things and you're and you're doing the the work to to deal with some of that systemic racism that was um, that that existed with even within mm-hmm. you and your family when you were right. young and, and all that kind of stuff right um, if somebody were to come to you now though and say, Jess, I appreciate that you're working on this, but you are still very much a part of this system. Mm-hmm. And you still perpetuate this system constantly by the decisions you make, by what you you know choose to do, by you know your thinking even. Mm-hmm. Um, that's broken thinking. That's da, 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 and they and they're like this. Are you just gonna go, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to show me all the areas where I'm still failing in this and I want to get better. Um, and so, you know, and, and on and on and on the road. Well, we like to think we would, mm-hmm. we like to think that's the case, but I come up against stuff all the time that, 
across a, a number of different categories where people, you know, things get brought up and, and I think, and, and I feel like the defensive kinds of things come up in me, you know, um, one of the, this, this is a, this is almost now kind of a, well, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to categorize it. It, for instance, whenever I hear women talking about uh, the ridiculousness of men, you know, that mm-hmm. do things that... Oh, yeah, you're reading Glennon Doyle's yes, book I right am. now. Yes, I am. reading Untamed right now, right? <laughs> and, and certain things get brought up. I have this thing in me that's like, yeah, I don't like those men either. But it's not all men. I'm not like that. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's a defensive posture. As soon as I start to think that way, the blinders go up and I don't see where I am still complicit in any of that. And so there is this active work that has to happen all the time because these things are so deep within us. And so when you say that, you know, you can't tolerate racism, you can't tolerate... then I, what, what I'm talking about is saying, hey, I, I'm not interested in tolerating it either. But I do understand that there is work that has to be done. And that work takes time. And, and we're not, no one is going to change over from one night to the next. Right. Nobody goes and listens to a TED talk on racism and walks out of the theater with no, no hint of racism still existing within them whatsoever, right? Um, it, it's it's there is this this pro, there is this journey that it, mm-hmm. that has to happen with us. And so <laughs> You make me think of something here. I, I, God, I am not saying that, you know, give everybody a break, you know, no, no, they're no. doing the best they no, can. I, 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 I am not I understand saying that. that either. I, I'm just checking. I'm in that fate, that space in life where I am, I am checking myself, um, constantly. And I, and I am consciously, like intentionally looking for what part of the broken system am I advocating? Am I perpetuating? Am I a part of, right? Benefiting from. Benefiting from, right? Yeah. So at work, um, at my um, my day job, I uh, coordinate treatment for patients. And so I have to take a series of, you know, x-ray and some pictures of them and of their teeth and um, so that we can assess treatment, we can check all the stuff, see, you know, where they're at, what their needs are. And there's this one spot in what I do where we take, we take um, some really close-up pictures of their mouth, like inside their mouth. Not an issue there. But we do have to take facial structure pictures. So we take a front picture smiling, a front picture not smiling, and then a profile picture because we're actually looking at where the jaw sits in alignment in the face. Right. right? So these are, these are important pictures. I understand what they're for, but there's kind of this running current that people will joke, oh, this feels like I'm getting, you know, 
mug shots. Yeah, yeah, mug shots. And I am so aware of this for um, our patients of color because I realize that I personally have never had to have a mug shot. I go in there and I can laugh and joke and say, oh, it feels like a mug shot. But for someone else, this may be not only a lived experience, but it may also be a lived uh, expectation or a lived fear that this will be where a they are. A lived injustice. Injustice. A lived trauma. Trauma. Yeah. All of those things. So I'm finding myself, how do I handle something as seemingly simple as taking three photos of the face structure for treatment assessment and not make it make them feel traumatized or me as a white girl holding this camera i'm taking a picture of i'm taking a mug shot of you yeah right and so i'm finding that my language is changing i am talking through what i'm doing differently explaining things more um, from a treatment standpoint sure. than just expecting that they're going to just do what I say, right? I am constantly aware of is, uh, this is a system I am a part of, right? Right. And, um, but I am, you and I talk about this stuff all the time. We are in the process of creating um, a space where people are allowed to continue these conversations safely, where we are encouraged to rethink all of it, where we are encouraged to turn the the worldviews, the po- politics, the faith structures, all of that inside out and upside down and understand and think through it, right? That's what we are in the mode of doing. So you and I have this agreement that as we encounter life on a daily basis, that we are looking for the systems that we are a part of that that perpetuate racism or injustice of any kind. And I understand that other people are not. That is not the space that they live in. That is not their, their day, right? Um, it's not a judgment, but understanding that it's not means I can't just jump to a conversation about, oh my gosh, that was a systemic injustice, and you can't do that. Yeah. Um, that there is this, like, how do we move all of us collectively into a safe conversation? Um, f- for us, it's been experienced just in extended family. Like, how do we have safe conversations? There are parameters. There are, it's time to hang up the phone now because we're moving into some territory that is only destructive to relationship. Right that we're not actually going to get anywhere by having this conversation, right? right? So you say all of this, is there an answer in your mind for how we, how we do this? You, you've identified the problem and that this scenario exists and that we, as we change mindset in our own life, as we change our cultural views and our values to align differently, to be more, for, for me, it's more just, equal. Uh, for somebody else, it may be more love or peace. Like whatever that core value is, then as you move to change that mindset and the people around you are experiencing some new you, um, it does feel like it's an us against them. We don't know how to interact with this. So you bring that up. What 
do you have something in mind that is a way through that? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it, it's super simplistic, and it is not enough. I, I know that, which is part of the reason why I I struggle with it. Um, it's the same kind of thing as, you know, going back to the New Amsterdam show. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I've thought a lot about this. I have a great solution to it. And I know that it, there are just more issues will come in the in the in it too. Um, it, it's nothing that we can put on anyone else. It's this. It. It is an agreement. To, be able to have productive conversations even when we don't, see eye to eye on things. That that we approach every situation and every relationship in life with the expectation that there is much that I can learn from you. Um, people say sometimes, well, what are you talking about? If I'm going to, if I, you know, if there's a white supremacist, you're saying that I should look for what I can learn from a white supremacist. And I say, yeah, absolutely. There is, it may be, Man, I don't want to have anything to do with these kinds of ideals, and I have got to change some of my thinking because I, you know, I I'm a little too close like on that. that. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always mean that you you're learning by how way of like how to be like them. Yeah, but yes, if we don't approach life and approach, you know, engagement with others in a manner that says that I there that that I there is something that I can learn from this encounter. There's something I can learn from this relationship, this engagement, whatever else it is. Then, um, then we will continue in our stuck ways. We will continue to become more and more and more polarized, more and more distant. We will, we will pull into our safe havens. We will surround ourselves with, with similar voices and we will become stagnant, pools of wisdom that that just I mean we're we're just building up our own conflated ideas about how the world is and you know we jab a lot at like the you know QAnon and, and stuff like that but if we surrounded ourselves with what we thought are enlightened voices over here and that's all that we ever listened to we would become the same stagnant pool. Yeah. Um, you, you can't learn with no uh, with no challenge, mm -hmm. there there has to be challenge in there somewhere. You know, there 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 has to be. You know, to use a a Bible concept. You know, iron sharpening iron. You know, um, there there that's what it takes. There's there's sparks involved and in all of that, but but it doesn't that doesn't have to mean there's a battle going on. Mm. It, it just can be it control. can be very intentional, and I can approach that to say. I am, I want to learn something today. I want to grow in my humanity today. Um, and I think the other thing you'd have to add to that is you have to take agenda off the table. Um, you got this meme, <laughs> you found this meme, I think you yeah. shared it with somebody um, about, or it was a tweet about getting asked to go to coffee. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, something about, uh, we have to normalize saying I'm not your mission field when a Christian friend asks us to go to coffee and talk. You yeah. Know? That, um, that they're... I'm not your mission field, you know. If you, if you want to hang out and be friends, that's one thing. 
but don't don't try to evangelize me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or your multi-level marketing right. target. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, All the above. Right. Yes. And but but we do have agenda. And if we come to these conversations with the agenda that we are going to change someone or with the yes. with the agenda that we are going to convince them to to think something other than what they currently think, we aren't actually learning anything from them. We have no intention to learn anything from them because we our intention is to change them. Um, so when I think about on a bigger global view, when, when we have the, such a split party experience here in America, we can't get anything done because everybody is saying my side, your side. It's because there's agenda. If I do this, I'm not going to get this over here. And rather than what is good for you, what is good for me? Um, I mean, I, idealistically, I would love to see people in office who actually thought about what was good for people, not what was good for their political, you know, gain or a party agenda, right? Yeah, everything has to change. Everything yeah. has to change. But I think about walking into these conversations like you're talking about and to stay away from the against us mentality, the good versus evil, then I can't have an agenda that I'm good and you're evil or that I'm evil and that you're good. <laughs> I can't have that agenda. Um, I can have a personal agenda that I'm going to live my life looking at where I can break down systemic racism. Right. But I can't have an agenda that I'm going to change you. Right. Um, so, God, I wish I could. I mean, I think we all wish we could have one conversation and change the world, right? Um, that it kept another person from being killed. Um, but but I, I think you're right. I think we're... Our defenses are so high lately, too. Well, we, and it's the other thing, too, is, it, you know, like just, you know, touching on what you're saying there that, you know, to not going with an agenda of changing people. But that, you know, every movie script, every TV show, you know, mm -hmm. New Amsterdam, you know, we're, we're plugging New Amsterdam big time right now. Um, like I said, every every show gets a night gets wrapped up with a nice bow on the end and. You know, and we, we look, you know, you look at Law and Order, which used to be one of our favorite shows to watch. And and every court case is solved in, you know, in 30 minutes because the first 30 minutes is investigation. The second 30 minutes is the trial. Right. right? <laughs> <If> <laughs> and, uh, only. Yeah. Like, you know, that way. Um, and, you know, and it's like this is what we fill ourselves with is these stories of of quick turnaround of, right. of, of quick ag agendizing, you know? And so you can have that, you can have that expectation mm -hmm. that, you know, we're going to do something and, and you're going to respond to it. And then we're going to move on in a different direction, you know, and life just isn't like that. And, and, you know, we're supposed to know that we're supposed to know that life just doesn't work like it does in the movies. And, and, and we would all tell you, of course, we know that. Of course, we know that life isn't like the movies. But when it comes down to it, we want it to be. Mm -hmm. We want to have that kind of effect on someone else. We're going to have a conversation with them and it changes their life around. Why the fuck do you think we waste so much time in, you know, Facebook and Twitter debates? 
right? It's because we think we're going to say something that's going to change somebody's mind. And and the the, well, the reality is... Some might think that. Other people just want to see how many hits it gets. It, there is that too. But I think in the deep in the psyche of people, they, right. they want to think that they're making a difference, that yeah. they're doing something. And, and so what ends up happening is shortcuts. What ends up happening is shock tactics. What ends up happening is whoever can yell the loudest or... Or shut down, be the best arguer or whatever else it is. When in reality, societal change, like we were talking about, you know, it 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 took us it took us a couple hundred years to get this deep. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take ten times that to get out of it. Yeah, you know, um, it it just takes far longer to fix problems than it does to create them. Well, um, we have to have, a, uh, as a country, we have to have a different agenda. And that agenda can no longer be that we are the most powerful, greatest nation in yeah. the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. But that's not going to happen overnight. I know, I know that. I'm saying. I know. I, I'm, what I'm I, saying is that it's this, it, we have to commit to the long games no I understand we have that. to commit that's what I'm saying. We to, have to start saying that we we start making decisions on the small scale that isn't about protecting our nation in terms of this uh uh persona to the world um we need a different persona and we need yeah. a different value so where does that start it starts <laughs> it starts in how we raise next generations um, it starts in how we fund money. It starts in how we talk in our own homes. We, we have to commit to personal transformation that we may not see the benefit of in our lifetime. Mm. Yeah. That we hope that our children see the benefit of. It's like whiskey. It... <laughs> That's good. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, whiskey has a little better turnaround. I mean, okay, bourbon. You, your point is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The crafter doesn't see yeah. his fruit, but yes. Well, yeah, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, we got off to a slow start. But we are deep right now. <laughs> and I go to whiskey. <laughs> Speaking of which, I might go to some whiskey right now. <laughs> Ooh, an old-fashioned after this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's lots more we could talk about. Oh, this. There, this always is is. there always is. There, there always, always is. There always is. This was, a, this was good. Though. We went really long on this. And, and I don't even care about that. I just like we're... Because you usually really care about that. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm trying to change. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to Evolve. embrace being different. I'm, you know, really what it is is it's uh, it, we're recording this kind of late, and it's uh, and it's actually you know going to be Asher's bedtime pretty soon. We need to go play with him a little bit. Oh, okay, I like yeah. that idea. Yeah. So that's more what I'm concerned about right now. <laughs> Anyway, this was a fun conversation. It was a great drink, Addington's. If you're yeah. if you hung on this long, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure we will revisit this topic again 
Yeah. Maybe many times. So anyway, okay. it was fun. Thank yeah. you. All right. We'll see you, everybody.